Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. Yorick Hendricks has a couple of things that make his story unique. First, he competed in both the 2014 Olympic Games in Sochi, Russia, before he came out. And then he competed four years later in 2018 after coming out. And he actually came out publicly literally days before the opening ceremony uh, of, of the 2018 Games. He talks about what it meant to do that to him and also how the media treated him. And I, I, I think it was really interesting um, how he talks about them respecting his needs and his wishes and allowing him to focus on his skating, which was very cool. Uh, he also ha has a sister who competed in the 2018 Winter Olympics. So he comes from a, a family with two Olympic figure skaters, which is pretty unique, and, and we talk about that. I got a chance to meet Yorick and his boyfriend, Dennis, a couple of times in Belgium. They're both absolutely lovely, and it's just wonderful to catch up with him. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Yorick Hendricks. Yorick, thank you so much for, for joining me. One of the things that makes your story so interesting is the fact that you have a sister, Luna, who is also an Olympic figure skater. Um, what are your earliest memories of the two of you discovering figure skating and figuring out, huh, we're both pretty good at this? So, well, I, I started figure skating because I wanted to go uh, into hockey, but I didn't really have a learn to skate program. So then I just started and I, I stayed with figure skating. Um, and my sister, she always joined me to the, the ice rink. So, of course, it was obvious to put her on, on skates as well and to put her on the ice. Um, but she was very young. I think she was three and a half or four. And she didn't really like it because... Uh, they already discovered that she was talented and she always had to train with uh, older skaters. And then she was afraid of them. And then she said like, no, I don't like this anymore. Um, but then after I think a year, she discovered that she really liked skating. Um, and then since then I was pushing her to always train harder. Um, so yeah, we, we saw from the beginning that she was very talented and probably even more talented than me. Um, so yeah, that was fun. And then uh, once my mom, uh, she saw that she has two competitive skaters. Uh, she was freaking out because figure skating is a very expensive sport. So uh, yeah, that was um, yeah, not that easy. Well, that's so interesting. Yeah, she, she, she budgets for one figure skater and then all of a sudden she has to pay for two. And I guess what what makes it so expensive, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, it's, it's the ice time and it's the coaching time and, and, and what else? Yeah, that correct. So uh, ice time is very limited. And of course, if, if you want to train during daytime here in Belgium, you need to rent the ice privately. So uh, it's like 140, 150 euros an hour. Uh, and then you also coaching if it's privately or in group sessions. Um, so coaching and ice is very expensive, uh, but then of course, once you go to international competitions, traveling uh, for yourself, for the athlete, but also you have to bring your coach with you. Um, so yeah, that's uh, uh, like not easy for, for the regular um, household to manage that. 
How old were you when you realized or your mom realized that international competitions uh, were something that you could actually compete at and, and do well at? Like, when did your path toward the Olympics start? Actually, that was quite late because I always skated like recreational and it was more for fun. Um, but I was very interested in figure skating uh, around the world. So I was uh, watching on television, also watching on YouTube, uh, the international level. And when I was, I think it was 15 years old, I got injured very bad um, on, my, uh, on my leg, like uh, adductors or, yeah, I think that's the correct word. Um, and I was off the ice for six months and I miss skating so bad. Uh, and I realized if I want to achieve and then be the best skater I could be, I needed to invest a little bit more time, uh, train differently, uh, spend a little bit more money of my own uh, in my sport. And I think after that six months, I started to train better and more uh, scheduled, more with a goal. Uh, and then I made a progress in one year, like unbelievable. I went from only doing double rotations in the air to triple. And nobody in Belgium ever expected me to uh, become the skater I became because when I was 15 years old, I had two other competitors who were doing triples and um, suddenly I was there and ready to go to international competitions. So for me, it happened very unexpected. Um, so yeah, when I was 16 years old, I went to international competition and nobody had any expectations of me. Uh, but then I was there and I, I was, um, competing and earning medals. When you look at the Olympic games to win gold today, as a male skater, you need to be doing quads. And you talked about that transition from doing doubles to triples. Is, is doing triples kind of um, like, the, like a passage toward international competition? Like if you can't do triples, you really can't compete at the international level? Yes, indeed. Definitely male and also female skaters now that need to do triples. It's also mandatory to do uh, in, in, in the programs to do triples. Uh, you don't have to do all triples, but it's mandatory to do some. Um, and nowadays, uh, definitely for male skaters, even for female doing uh, quad jumps to be the best and to, to medal internationally at the, the highest uh, competitions. And I think one of the reasons for me, like, um, that's why I, I didn't win any uh, gold medals uh, at Europeans or Worlds that my transition from double to triples was a little bit too late. Um, and I just focused on becoming the best skater I could be. And uh, I think after the 2014 Olympics, I lost my passion for figure skating because um, from the outside, there was uh, a lot of pressure on me. I need to master that quadruple jump. Um, and it was not happening. And then I lost uh, the law for, for sport, for the sport of figure skating. Um, and then I, I got injured and I had to, I had a lot of time to think. and. I said, why do I uh, let other people put so much pressure on myself? And uh, that's why I lost the passion and the love for figure skating. And then 
I said to myself, like, I came so far from being 15 and not even uh, competing international to being an Olympian in 2014. And I said, okay, now I just need to focus on myself and where I can grow. And that was the artistic side. Um, and at that point, also in 2014, my sister, who is seven years younger than me, uh, like showed a lot of international potential. She went to the European Youth Olympic Festival, which is like a small uh, Olympics for a younger generation just in Europe. Um, so she went there and then I realized, Greg, this is a great opportunity to go to the next Olympics together because she was showing uh, a very promising career as well. So then I thought like, okay, just give it another try, try to refine uh, that love for skating and just work on uh, your goals. Well, that's interesting that, that you, for a while, you let other people's expectation and their goals for you um, really change how you are approaching uh, the, the sport. And I, I can totally understand, you know, when you're loving the sport, you're enjoying it, you're competing at the international level, and then suddenly expectations of gold medals and silver medals at the, on the world stage and, and uh, having to do these quad jumps and, and the frustration of not being able to master it. I can only imagine how that, that, that started to eat at you. And I'm curious now, as you are on the other side, you are coaching, how much of that um, influences how you coach and how you pressure your athletes to perform and, and, and do certain things? Because as a coach, you, you, there is some you know, you need to put pressure on your athlete, but you can't put too much pressure on your athlete. For me, the main focus is that they enjoy, but also becoming the best skater they could be. Like for myself, I reflect a lot to my own career um, as I'm coaching now. Uh, and I think that's very important. We also need to realize that here in Belgium and the Netherlands, we don't have the same facilities. We don't have the same school system. Um, we don't have the same ice times as other countries. Uh, and it's very hard to compete against those other athletes at the highest level if you have to deal with a lot of uh, difficulties finding uh, training facilities. So for me, at, at this moment, the main focus is really to enjoy and to have passion. And if they have a lot of internal motivation, it will show. And also now coaching my sister, uh, I think she is... Uh, besides the Russian here in Europe, she's one of the uh, most promising figure skaters around here. Um, but of course, it's, it's hard for her as well to realize that the younger generation uh, is mastering quads. And if it's a healthy situation, that's another discussion. Uh, but I like to draw the attention to also her own uh, progress and her own goals and then we will see where she ends up um, and for the younger generations um, of, of athletes who I coach uh, I really try to push them but on a healthy way uh, at the end they're in control of their own motivation their own body and they have to do it at the end I can coach I can mentor I can share my knowledge my passion uh, but it stops in a certain boundary like um, this internal motivation, I cannot get it out of the skaters. 
but I can stimulate and motivate them in a positive way. Did you have a, a competitive nature between you and your sister? Like, did even though you weren't competing against one another, did you try to outdo one another when you were both skating competitively? I think the last three years we, we skated together, it was not like rivals, but of course we, we tried to push each other uh, also on, on the practices when we had to train and work and then do programs, do run-throughs uh, run of our uh, skating programs. Um, and I think uh, the year leading to the Olympics, um, where I think it was the year before my sister, she got the points, uh, the minimum technical score for Europeans and Worlds earlier than me. So there is, from the International uh, Union, there is minimum scores and she got them earlier than me. So of course I was triggered and I said, now she is already um, qualified for those events and now I still need to show that I'm worth it to go as well. So, but that was more positive, but then leading, uh, I think the year of the qualification of the Olympics, uh, my sister, she qualified herself first and I failed to qualify at the world championships in 2017. Uh, and of course, I was very, very disappointed uh, that I failed. And um, of course, I had a second chance. Uh, but it felt very weird that she managed to do to do it before me. And somehow, it, I felt sad for her as well because she couldn't express her her uh, happiness because I failed and she she managed to qualify. And I think for her, that was a very difficult situation as well. And uh, it gave a little bit of tension uh, between us, but not because we didn't, of course, I, I, I wanted her to qualify, but somehow there was some tension of like her not being able to be happy and I'm being very unhappy. Uh, and then when, when I did qualify at the, the second qualification event, uh, there was ex, extreme happiness of me because we, we achieved our common goal to go together to the Olympics. And uh, my sister expressed later that she felt uh, she, she found it very uh, hard that uh, she could not be happy at the 2017 Worlds, but I was extremely happy. Um, so I think somehow we were competitive, but we were always supporting each other. Uh, but we were trying to outdo each other's uh, results. Sure, it's understandable. She she did not want to make you feel bad um, with with her celebration, and I, I I totally understand where you were both coming from. Uh, but you did ultimately qualify for the 2018 Olympics, and one of the things that I I also find super interesting about your story is, and there are only a handful of athletes that I know have gone this route. As far as I know, you came out publicly as gay, literally days before the Olympic Games. How did that happen? So actually, for me, uh, I knew I was gay in 2012. Um, so leading into the Olympic Games in 2014, I knew. Uh, and of course, I was questioned and interviewed about this topic uh, a few times. And I always said, like, my personal life doesn't really matter. Um, 
And of course it was in Russia. I didn't feel safe to come out publicly at that moment. Um, it was very strange because it was not that I didn't, I didn't feel safe at the Olympic Village, but just I didn't want to draw too much the attention to me being gay, but I wanted to be Yorick as a figure skater who qualified and worked his ass off to be here. Uh, so I think at that time, I didn't feel comfortable to come out publicly at that point. Um, but then uh, leading into the next games in, uh, games in 2018, I was comfortable with my sexuality. I met my boyfriend uh, like four or five months before the games, which wasn't planned because I wanted to be focused only on, on my sport. Uh, but somehow it happened. And I think because of that, I was... Uh, very comfortable and I think it was in December 2017 I was approached by a, a reporter to do a small interview here in the newspaper um, where it was like an online article I, I can't really remember anymore um, but then at the 2018 Olympics at that games uh, some reporter there found this online article um, and started to question me about that. And I thought like, okay, then I want, if I make it publicly here, like for uh, the, a, a big platform, I want to do it properly. Um, and so actually it happened like I gave a small uh, interview before the games, like two or three months before, and then some reporter at the Olympics found that article and wanted to go deeper about this. Um, and I think the press, handled it very well. I said, like, I want to make a statement. Uh, and if it's done, then we continue as me as an athlete. And then uh, I think the Belgian press respected that. And uh, I did my article and my interview. And then we w went on with the, what was really, uh, I was really there for to compete. And they gave me uh, that moment to just perform. So what you appreciated about the press was that they they kind of let you um, make a statement, do 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 this once, and then they left you alone about it. Yeah, that, that's what happened. And also the article was very positive, um, and it gave me extra uh, strength. And then I was like, okay, it's now everybody know because of course my close friends and my family they knew by that uh, by that time. Uh, and I thought, okay, now I can be a role model. Hopefully I, um, I gave someone uh, that extra hope or, and then after that, they didn't mention it anymore. Of course, uh, it was not that I was not gay anymore, but they just went from uh, that interview on to me as an Olympian and ready there to perform. And uh, yeah, that was a very positive uh, moment. And then I started bothering you about it. And you're like, who is this guy from the United States? Why won't he leave me alone? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was happy. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, being in Sochi. Was there anything about being gay, even though people didn't know you were gay? Was there anything about being gay and competing in Sochi in the atmosphere that, that was in Sochi, where they were saying you can't really express being gay? Did that affect you or your performance, do you think? Was it on your mind? Mm, no, I, I don't think so. I, 
probably because I also tried to block it. I just, I, because I was there to compete and um, yeah, so I think it didn't really bother me, but afterwards I understood the importance to, uh, to make a statement. What I did in 2018, I really understand the importance because also I was inspired by other athletes who publicly came out and it's like normal and it, other people should see it as being normal. And um, I think I understood the importance to do so uh, after. And that's why I think I used the platform of the Olympics to inspire a younger generation of athletes or just the LGBTQ plus I community uh, and try to, to give something back. The last question for you, and this might be the most important question of all, the one, the one that most people could benefit from. Uh, you mentioned your boyfriend. How have you survived quarantine living in an apartment together? Well, actually, we, we survived quite well. Um, we're living in a tiny apartment in Antwerp. Um, we don't really have any outdoor space. So when there was like a real lockdown here in Belgium, when we were not allowed to go out uh, or to sit out um, in parks, it was, a, it was a tricky period, but um, I think we came out stronger after three months and we realized, re we realized that uh, if we can survive this, uh, I think we can survive many, many more years. Um, and yeah, so now we're looking for a, a different uh, apartment or house with an outdoor space for in case something happens again and we're back in lockdown, then we can go outside and enjoy the sun a little bit uh, or the rain here because uh, Belgium doesn't always have very good weather. Um, but so we're getting prepared for something for us, for other things to happen. Well, well, please may we not experience lockdown number two uh, ever, ever again. <laughs> Hopefully uh, not, but yeah, we just want to enjoy the sun then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, York, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much and, and best of wishes to you. And I know you're off to, uh, off to um, a competition as a coach shortly here. So good luck with that. Thank you. It was my pleasure. You can follow Yorick Hendricks on Instagram and Twitter. And his, I think if you look up just Yorick, it's spelled J-O-R-I-K. It, uh, it should pop him up. There aren't, aren't too many Yorick's out there. His last name, Hendricks, is H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-X. So a lot going on at the end of that name. But anyhow, I think if you just type in Yorick, he'll come up. I am, as you listen to this, uh, enjoying a long weekend, a long Columbus Day weekend in New England. Uh, so I, I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and I will be back next week with more from Five Rings to Rule Them All. We'll talk to you then. Mm -hmm.